Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning. So glad to be here with you. And uh, it's a blessing to... Uh, to get a chance to be together in church on a beautiful, sunny Thanksgiving after Sunday. It's not Advent yet. We're, we're in that weird place where it's not Advent and it's not Thanksgiving. It's just that Sunday in between. And that doesn't always happen, but it did this year. But it's a good Sunday to be together. And I'm excited about what God is going to do. I wanted to mention a couple things and then we're going to get started here. But the card that uh, Ian, Pastor Ian mentioned... I really hope that you'll take that and use that to invite friends. You know, people come to church because they're invited. And we're trying to provide you tools to use to invite your friends, people you don't know. And so take those. There's several of them back there. There's, there's more. I can get more. They're not that expensive. Grab them. Take them. Pass them out to your neighbors, your friends. People will come especially at Christmas time. And uh, let, me, let me just kind of tell you, uh, and I'm going to mention this right now. Next week, we start our Advent series. And, and the whole premise of the Advent series is reconciliation. That we are going to tell stories of reconciliation. God has reconciled us to himself and to each other. And there's never a time where it's less likely for people to be happy and reconciled than Christmas. They always fight in the Christmas. It's weird, but it's true. And I believe that God wants us to talk about the reconciliation that he has provided for us. So we're going to be doing that. And I invite you to just bring your friends, bring your family, bring those guys that, you know, you don't like. And we'll help you get reconciled back with them. That'll be awesome. You can get things straightened out with your family, you know, but bring people with you to church. This is what it's all about. We want to reach people. We want to reach Muncie with the, with the good news that Jesus Christ is our living hope. And I love that song. That song speaks to my heart. Well, it is good to be together. And today I have got something, uh, again, we're going to do something just a little bit different than we have been doing. I've invited uh, Tim Kennedy to come up and he's going to give his testimony. I don't know where the cordless mic went to. Where did the cordless, did you have that, Ian? Oh, well. Well, no, no, you do need to be in a boy. Uh, just use use one of these mics here you know I met Tim I met Tim when uh, I first interviewed here Tim's been here a lot longer than I have been Tim's been here most of his life so you know I had Maddie last week talk to you because she's fairly new and I wanted you to hear what God's doing but you know what sometimes we hear all the newer folks that are here and we forget that the people who've been here a long time have a great testimony and Tim has a great testimony and I want him to share that with us today so Tim share what God has given you to do. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm 60 years old, so that's a lot of years. And the pastor said, hey, I want you to get up and, and uh, tell everybody what you're thankful for, and you get five minutes. Said, well, that's not much time. <laughs> but anyway, you don't really think you have a story until you are kind of forced to sit down and, and think about your life and think about where you came from. And, and uh, so... Here's my little story. And so I put this in little categories of what I'm thankful for. Is that the Michael? First, Hold up close to your mouth. That lady. Okay. 
The first thing I'm thankful for is my childhood. I'm thankful that I had a mom that kept me in church and a church that loved our family. This could be hard to get through, so bear with me. <laughs> I don't remember much affection from my dad. He wasn't home much, and when he was, I think the chaos of six kids in a small house was too much for him. He was a really good guy and loved by a lot of people, but he didn't know how to interact with his own family. This is my perspective. I, I mean, that's all I can do is, <laughs> is what I remember. That's right. Um, I don't think he was ever mean to us, just mostly absent. I remember seeing him play around with other kids, but he didn't really know how to do that with us. He had a lot of issues, and I think I figured that out pretty early, so I don't remember any hatred or anger toward him. I think I felt sorry for him. He was in and out of church, but he was an alcoholic and a smoker, so he would say he didn't want to go to church because he didn't want to be a hypocrite. I was a scrawny little kid, so I didn't play many sports. I did, however, run cross country, but I don't remember my dad ever coming to watch me. I'm not sure he considered that a real sport, and I'm sure he was working, and I wasn't that greatest, greatest of a runner, runner, so it wasn't that big of a deal anyway. I suppose he told me he loved me, but it, was, <clears throat> it may have been more in general as, you know I love all you kids. He struggled with life, and I think I learned from him how not to live my life. He was a daily reminder of what I didn't want to become. I remember telling myself I wasn't going to live my life that way, and even though I love all, the, all my siblings. I decided six kids were out of the question as well. <laughs> <laughs> at least the hardest saying, part was I, I didn't know how to talk to my dad. He died of cancer at the age of 47. I would have been in my 20s at that time. One of the last days before he died, we sat at his apartment. He was divorced and remarried at that time. We probably sat there for three hours, and I don't remember a thing we said to each other, and it's possible we didn't say anything at all. I don't know how my mom did it. I don't know how she functioned day in and day out. She had to be exhausted. With six kids to get ready every day for school, it would have been so easy to stay in bed on Sunday and not mess with going to church. But we were there every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, I recall, and every revival. I don't remember missing church. If it was open, we were there. <clears throat> there were times we didn't have a car, so my grandma would somehow pack us into her car and bring us to church. I remember I was a lookout. I would stand in the window and look for her. I knew what her lights looked like, and I could see it from a few blocks away, and I would scream out, here she comes. We didn't have much in the way of material things <clears throat> growing up, and I remember the poor ragged clothes I wore, sometimes the same ones day after day. When you grew up, when you grew out of your clothes, your, your pants became what we called high waters. One year, I got a watch for Christmas. That's it. When kids at school would talk about what they got, I remember saying, I got a watch and a bunch of clothes. You had to say something. Well, they probably wonder why I never wore those clothes. <laughs> but the, the amazing thing was watching my mom sacrifice for us. She would hardly ever spend money on herself. And she was working outside the house, so I know that had to be hard. But what a great example it was for me to learn to care about others, especially your family, ahead of yourself. As I said, we didn't have much, but I wouldn't give up what we did have for anything. 
It taught me to be thankful for everything I was blessed with in my life and that God would always take care of us. <clears throat> Somewhere along the line, I realized I could make people laugh. Although that started as a way to fit in and feel accepted from others, I came to find out that it was a gift from God. The Bible says that laughter is, a good, is good like a medicine. Even though I've gotten myself in trouble with poor judgment and timing, <laughs> I hope to think I have helped people laugh a little more, especially when they need it the most. I know it has taught me to laugh at myself and not take things so seriously. It's hard to be mad or upset when you are laughing, so LOL, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful for my church. I have no idea where I'd be right now if it wasn't for the people that helped set an example for me and pray for me growing up. I was a handful, but no one gave up on me. People like Louise Harding would make sure we had a right to and from church functions. She would drive to our poor little house and pick up smelly little kids on 6th Street. Did she have any idea the impact she was having in our life? She couldn't have, but she did it more times than I can count. She made us feel like we were part of her family. She loved us, and we knew it. And there were many others in the church that loved us and showed it too. I didn't ever feel like I fit anywhere. I was lonely in school, but the church was a place that I felt loved and accepted. I'm thankful to be alive. When I was around 12, my appendix was in bad shape, but I didn't know it. I was writhing in pain for a couple of days. My dad worked nights at the time, and when he got home, he decided to take me to the hospital. They took me to the emergency room, and I think it was in the hospital between 7 and 10 days. I remember they said gangrene had already set in. Had my dad gone to bed that morning, there's no way I would have made it to the hospital in time. I don't remember how old I was when I decided to take a bike ride over to my grandma's house. I rode my brother on the handlebars of my bike, and my mom rode another bike. We got in front of her house. I didn't look and turned right in front of her van. He came to a screeching halt and just tapped us. Mm-hmm. A foot or two more, and who knows what would have happened to us. One summer, I was working with uh, putting in insulation. One day, I had to keep the gas-operated blower filled up with the insulation in this truck. It was the back of the truck, and the guy told me, that there was a leak in the exhaust, so I needed to make sure I was getting out of the truck once in a while to get some fresh air. Well, the blower really shot insulation fast, so it was all I could do to keep up with it, so I hardly ever left the truck. He decided to come down and check on me and had to rush me to the hospital. I'm not sure I would have made it much longer. God has always kept me healthy. I have problems here and there, but I have been blessed with a healthy body and only missed work a handful of times in my entire life. I thank God for my friends. God has blessed me with some amazing friends, and they have helped me so much in my life. They are the kind that call me out when I need it. I keep them busy. <laughs> <clears throat> there were times when life got hard, marriage was difficult, and kids were tough to raise. I thank God that so many different people I call friends have always been there for me, praying and supporting me throughout my life. Lastly, I thank God for my family. God blessed me with a wonderful wife. I can't imagine being with anyone else. Despite our age difference and people said it wouldn't last, it has. We have had our struggles like everyone else, but God has kept our marriage strong. I think it is better today than it's ever been. Amen. God has blessed me with two beautiful girls. I love them both so much. There are things I would like to go back and do over, but I've always asked God to fix the things I've messed up. He has taught me to love them unconditionally, and that has been such a blessing in my life. I started thinking about how God deals with me. I mess up, and he keeps blessing me. I make poor decisions, and he just loves me all the more. 
I let him down, and he never lets me down. Amen. I'm trying to model that for my girls. I am just going to love them and not judge them. I want them to be able to come to me and know that I won't show disappointment or anger, but just listen to them and give them help or advice. I'm learning to trust that God is leading their lives and speaking to them and that they are listening. I do want to thank all you in my life, and some of you from my past, some of you right now, you're, you're, you are a blessing to me in my life. You really do mean a lot to me and are making an impact in people's lives more than you ever know. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Let's praise the Lord for that. I tell you, you know, God just laid on my heart again. You know, last week it was Madison, and he laid on my heart that Tim should give his testimony. And I thought, well, Tim, I mean, Tim's been around forever, you know, but, you know, his testimony is is really on fire right on and i am just so thankful for what you said today tim and and i did not discuss with tim what he was going to say i had no idea and yet you know you preached a good part of my sermon for me today tim so i appreciate it thank you and uh it'll just be affirmation of, of what god said let's pray together right now father i just praise you for this day and god i am just thankful for all that you do for us i'm thankful for guys like tim lord that you have held on to in the midst of difficult times. I relate to Tim's testimony so much. Lord, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for you, Jesus. I'm thankful that you came and you gave your life for us. I'm thankful that right now we who struggle and walk in that struggle, Lord, that we can come to you and that we can lay our burdens down and that you hear us and that you care. I'm thankful, Lord, just for who you are. You are Jesus. You are savor of our souls the forgiver of our sins the the lover of our hearts lord we praise you today lord i ask that you would speak into our hearts this morning lord as we look at the word and as we think about what you're trying to say to us lord i pray that each one of us would just say yes to you lord help us lord right now lord help us right now to love you more and to, to lay aside our own wills and our own ways. And to let you guide and direct us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We love you. We thank you for redemption. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been looking at Thanksgiving stories and the stories of redemption. And uh, 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 7, uh, 16 17. I read it last week, but I want to read it. Or, I, read, I didn't read this one last week, but I want to read this for you. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. I, I love that verse. And in the message, and of course we're going to take communion here in just a few minutes, but in the message it reads like this when we drink the cup of blessing aren't we taking into ourselves the blood the very life of christ and isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat don't we take into ourselves the body the very life of christ because there's one loaf one manyness becomes oneness christ doesn't become fragmented in us rather we become unified in him we don't reduce christ to what we are he raises us to what he is 
Don't you love that? Isn't that awesome? By the way, happy birthday, Jared. I just happened to think of that. Happy birthday, man. I just wanted to say that. So, yep. You never get 18-year-olds very often, so or 17-year-olds or whatever he is. So we're just glad you're here. So awesome. This is the picture of Christ that I want to read that I just read to you today. It's the picture of the church, the oneness becoming uh, the many becoming one. Uh, the last couple of weeks I've been using the picture of a great parade in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, thanks be to God who always leaves us in triumphal procession in Christ. And we've talked about that. And, and I talked about the fact that we are the church of Jesus. We're being led in this great parade in a triumphant march by Jesus who's at the head. And some of you probably watched the Thanksgiving Day, Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade, you know, and there's a there's a leader of that parade. And Jesus is the leader of our parade. We're, we're joined together in this parade by one common bond, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's, that's the thing that holds us together. It's, it's not because we um, are from Muncie or because we you know, grew up a certain way or because we're a collar or not a collar or whatever. We are joined together by one common bond, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that today. I really am. We've been conquered, not, not, not conquered in the sense of squashed and you don't count, but conquered in the sense of, of giving my heart to Christ. My, my heart has been conquered. He now owns me. He's in charge. I follow him. With everything that's in me, I follow him. Week one, I shared my own life story of God's goodness and redemption. And I, I shared that there were some good things in my life and there were some tough things in my life, just like others have said. And, and then I said this, I said, I would never have changed one thing because together the stories I shared has led me into the very presence of Jesus and it's connected me to this great parade. Uh, that's the only reason I'm here because of what God has done through all those situations and circumstances that have been my life. And last week when Madison shared her story of God's redemption through some really awful personal tragedies, we talked about how in the midst of things Satan uses or means for these things to destroy us to tear us down to break us but God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and it's another picture of the church God puts the church together he brings us together to help lift us up I love what Tim said when he said you know you all have been there for me you all carried me uh, I, I, I keep you busy you know that's what the church is here for to, to bear the burdens of each other to be one together uh, to be Christ in the midst of circumstances. This week I want to share my Thanksgiving story of how and why I'm thankful for the church because I do love the church and I want to talk about the church. I talked about my life before. I, I've talked about a few other things, but, but I think that I would be remiss if I didn't take a few moments in Thanksgiving time to share of why I'm so thankful for the church. The church gets a lot of bad press these days. Anybody notice that? <laughs> I just saw on the news a church somewhere. They responded thinking there was a fire. And when they got there, there was no fire. But when they went in the building, they found an illegal gambling operation going inside the church. The pastor was running. I guess you got to pay for things somehow. I don't know. I, I'm mystified by that one. That, just, that one just really, really, wow. But that's why the church gets a bad name. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff careful the kids are in here today uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the church that just shouldn't be going on I think it's rightful that there's a lot of criticisms but I think that a lot of the criticism is because a lot of people just don't understand what the church really is though and I want to talk about that 
In many, in many people's minds, the church is supposed to be perfect now. Uh, we talk about the church uh, the, being the bride of Christ without spot or wrinkle. And, and we think, well, that's the way it is now. But that's not what the church is right now. The church is not perfect. Nor is it made up of perfect people. Have you noticed that? The pastors aren't perfect. The associate pastors aren't perfect. None of us are perfect. We're not perfect people. The church is a human God organization. God's in charge. Humans are a part of it. We work together, and when we do that, it's a glorious thing, and it's a crazy thing. We are the bride of Christ, but it is a totally comprised of broken and sinful, redeemed human beings who are fallible and totally capable of blowing it big at any given time. That's the truth. The church is full of hypocrites. I, I'm testifying right now. You know, I'm poor in spirit. I have to be poor in spirit. That means that I'm, I'm willing to admit who I really am. And I am one of the biggest hypocrites you'll know. I mean to do well, but sometimes it doesn't always come out exactly like I mean for it to be. Amen? The church is full of failures. People who have tried and messed up people who started off in one direction and then fallen down people who have meant to follow jesus but found themselves not making it too far church is full of hurting and damaged people almost every testimony i hear this happened this happened this happened there were things that hurt things that broke me things that tore at my life all whom god loves it's full of hurting and damaged people, all of whom God loves and is bringing to redemption. So when the church fails someone, and it does, the world stands and judges. Have you ever noticed that? Points fingers. Points out our failures because it misunderstands who and what we are. People think that if you go to church, you're perfect. People, hear me out right now. If this is your first time here at this church and you're a messed up, broken person, you found the right church. Because I can tell you this is a church full of broken misfits whom God has redeemed and is helping us. And that's it. My story. I have to start this story by saying that I love the church. Man, I can't tell you that I love anything else on earth more than I love the church. And I, by that, I'm, I think that's right. Loving Jesus and loving the church, it all kind of goes together for me. The reason that I love the church is because the church is the only place I ever felt like I really belonged. Tim already gave us that one. But that's the truth in my life, too. It's the only place I've ever felt like I belonged. I played football in junior high and high school. And I was on the team, and I started even in some of those years. And I never felt like I was part of the team. I was on the team, but I was never part of the team. I was different than the other people that, was on, that were on the team. And I never even felt close to them. When I was in college, I even played one year of football. And I never once felt like I was part of the team. I was on the team, but I didn't belong. I had people I cared about on those teams, but I never felt accepted. I played baseball up through high school, and again, I never felt like I belonged on those teams. But at church, even though I was viewed by many as a poor person, even though I was sure, I mean, I'm really sure that I made a lot of people's lives very difficult in those days, I was accepted, and I mattered, and I belonged. I really did. I love Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul paints an incredible picture of the church. 
For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put death to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So here's the deal. We all belong. We don't matter if we're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if we're black, white, Asian, or any uh, other whatever race on earth we are all god's people we belong to him the church accepts us all all people everywhere i never started attending church i never had to i was born in the church not literally but almost i was maybe a week old the first time i was at church my mom was the pastor so i had to go we started attending later on we left that church and started attending the the Alexandria Church of the Nazarene in Indiana when I was about three or four. My first memories of church are there in the old church, downtown Alexandria. And I remember sitting with my mom in church, my mother in church, and singing hymns. And I remember thinking how cool that was to sit and sing with everybody. I remember the prayer times around the altar. As I look back on those now, those were times I sat in, in, in wonder and in awe of people who were talking to God and what they were saying. And now it's still impacting my my heart clear here today and I was just a little child at the time I remember the fellowship outside the church on summer evenings standing around the cars with people and talking to them there and the kids playing and all the fun that went on with that I remember the pastor Reverend D Henderson coming to my house and praying with us we moved to Anderson First Church when I was about five years old I can't tell you all the memories of that church because that would take forever. But that church was the biggest influence in my life and still is in many ways. That church changed me, made me who I am. I was a part of that church body from the time I was five until I became youth pastor in Danville, Illinois, after graduation from Olivet Nazarene University. And there are faces and people who have no idea that they had a young guy, uh, the impact they had on a young guy who felt often like he was unimportant and no one really cared outside of the church. These people cared and they mattered. I remember in church, the children's Sunday school classes and teachers, how they cared for us and loved us and were there for us week after week. And, it, you know, as a kid, I took it for granted. But as I've grown up, I've, I've, I've reflected on the effort and the time that was put into that. I remember things like VBS, and I remember one VBS, Vacation Bible School, when I had stepped on a rusty nail, my foot was all swelled up, my leg, I couldn't walk on it, and my still went, and during the time when we would move around, there was one teacher who assigned herself to me, and she made sure that I got to everywhere I needed to go, and she took care of me, and I'll tell you what, she had an influence. There were children's choirs, there were camps, going to summer camp changed my life forever. There was camp meeting, going to those camp meetings. There was a lady who just died the other day. Her name was Mrs. James. And she and her husband taught us when I was a mere little child in those camp meeting services. She has died. She was over 100 years old. And she just passed away the other day. 
there were parties and trips to Kings Island and Mounds Park and, and uh, all those different places. I took my first airplane ride in a private plane of one of my Sunday school teachers who said, if you guys come and you don't miss so many Sundays in a row and you bring somebody and those kind of things, I'll take you flying. And me and one other guy got to go flying in an airplane. I remember Reverend Wine and Reverend Westhafer and youth pastors and youth group I remember in youth group traveling all over Canada, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee, singing in a choir that we had. And I remember lock-ins and bowling, and there was a thing we called pow room on Fridays. It was a room that the church let us fix up, and it looked weird, and it was crazy, but they let us do it, and we had pizzas, and we'd have people in, and we'd bring our friends after ball games, and we'd hang out. And I remember people's homes and hay rides and so much more. But what I remember most is the faces, names, and love of these people who were there for us. People like I've mentioned before, Henry McNeil and Frank DeBrew and a Russell Bennett and the D. Beardens and Dave Salatin and a guy named Lynn Morford. And, and it just goes on and on and on. Earl and Hallie Clegg, some of you remember them from here. They used to attend here a long time ago. These were all godly men and women powerful men and women in many cases in their jobs and in their work outside of the church men and women who were busy and had way too much going on to take a Sunday school class or to hang out with teenagers or kids way too busy but these powerful men and women loved Jesus more than they loved themselves so they took their Sundays and they used their vacations. I remember going on trips where the guys who went with us took their vacations and said, I'll skip my vacation. I'm going on the trip with the kids. I want to see somebody do that today again. People don't do that anymore. And they traveled with our youth group and they slept on floors on their vacation in churches and rode on old charter buses that broke down. And they believed that the work that they were doing for Jesus was of far more value than their own careers and their own vacations. And they stayed awake long hours into the night talking to kids. I am sure they wanted to sleep when we wanted to play. And worst of all, they awoke to the smell of stinky junior high schoolboys' feet and worse. I'm not going to go into that. And they still laughed, and they still encouraged, and they still lifted us up and said, you guys are awesome. I remember a church that allowed our youth to take over the services on Sunday evening. They listened to our testimonies. They did not laugh at us. They said, keep going. They listened to our songs, and I never heard them complain. I remember a church who would watch me and they would watch me screw up daily and weekly and they would still go to the altar when I went and pray with me like it was the first time. I remember the church was there when my good friend Mark Bennett's dad passed away while we were on a youth trip to the Reds game that Saturday afternoon. I remember those men and women who gathered there so that when he got off the bus, he'd have a church family around him. And they picked him up and they said, your dad passed away. 16-year-old kid. They were there for him as he went through all the grief and rebellion and all the stuff that happened as he grew up and they never gave up. And You know, he's leader in that church today. And I praise God for that. It's through the church that I came to know Jesus when I was about six or seven years old. They introduced me to him. And I'm going to tell you something. It changed my life. I've never been the same. Oh, I haven't been perfect. I wish I had that testimony. It says, I never looked back. I can't say that, but I can say right now that he's never let go of me. And he's held on to me. 
And it was through the church when all the things in my life at home weren't all that easy and school was not that easy. It was through the church that I felt cared for and loved. And it was through the church's influence that I didn't stray off into the drug lifestyle. It was through the church that I learned to minister and care for other people. It was through the church I felt called to ministry. It was the church's influence that steered me off to Olivet Nazarene University. And it was at Olivet where I settled my call to ministry. And it was at Olivet that I met my wife, Darcy. It was at Olivet I met more churchmen who cared and invested their lives in me and they poured into me and they poured into me and they kept on pouring into me. And I don't understand why because I look at myself in the mirror even back then and went, what in the world do they see? I don't see much. It was in the church body at Danville, Illinois, where I served for a year as a youth pastor, where I met a man named John Epler. Reverend Epler, who was the pastor of that church, has been one of the greatest influences on my life and how to do ministry of anyone. In fact, I would give him credit for most of everything that I do. He influenced me to go to seminary. More importantly than that, i got to tell you about this. He doesn't even understand what he was doing, I don't think. He, he couldn't give a name to it, but I will. He spoke words of knowledge into my life and declared that I would have success as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. At a time when I thought, man, I, am, I don't have anything to offer to anybody. He said, you are going to change lives. Amazing. It was in the church in Kansas City, at Kansas City First Church, that Darcy and I really got our feet wet in ministry. At Kansas City First Church, this is a great church. They gave us a chance to minister to their children. And Darcy and I led children's church for the first and second graders for more than two years. We had like 30 or 40 uh, first and second graders in our children's church every Sunday morning for more than two years. It's there where we met people who have been ministry friends for our life. And it was at that church that we dedicated our baby John to Jesus. It has been the church that recognized our gifts and graces for ministry and has affirmed them by our ordination and allowing us to lead. See, the church is the people of God. You need to hear that today. It's not this building. It's not these pews. It's not these decorations. And by the way, thank you, who, all those who put it up. Kirsten led that. It's beautiful. But that's not what it is. The church is the people of God. I'm in love with God and I'm in love with the people of God. The church was bought and paid for with the broken blood and spilled blood, a body and spilled blood of Jesus Christ. And it's joined together with that broken body and spilled blood of Jesus. It's held together by that. It's, it holds us. It's what we're joined together by. And when we, the church, express our thanksgiving, we do it best by allowing our lives to be broken and poured out for others. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard that and I didn't get that, but I hope you're getting that. When you allow your life to be broken and poured out for others, you're most like Christ. When he breaks you and pours you out in service and giving, and he pours you out and helps you to help others to know him. I love the imagery of 1 Peter chapter 2, as you come to know him, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I don't know if you got that, but it's a picture of all that I've been talking about. We are a people rejected by the world. We don't belong. But we're a people chosen by God for a reason, a people who are precious to him. You matter to God, and because you matter to God, you matter to the church, and we love you. And being 
worked and joined together, we're building a spiritual house. We are becoming the temple. David, way back, and we sang about that this morning, he built a physical temple for God, and, and that was all okay, but that wasn't what God wanted. God was a camper. He wanted to be in a tent. He understood that his house would be built by the flesh, by us. We would be the house as we were put together, as Jesus Christ put us together and wove us together and, and made us his temple together when the church gathers the temple of god gathers together and we're a spiritual house joined together to be a holy priesthood that is a people who offer sacrifices to god through jesus christ so that's the church and here's why i struggle when people drop out of the church and start using excuses like i'm not being fed or i just didn't feel like going anymore or, i was too tired or or i didn't like the music or or, you know, you didn't have what I wanted. First of all, it's very selfish when you say words like that. Because the church isn't about you. It's about everybody else. Keep it in mind. Here's the deal. My own parents fell short in raising me at times. I testified to that. But no matter what, they were still my parents. And I loved them. And I cared for them right up to the very end. I honored them. And I can tell you, the church has failed me at times. There's people in the church who have hurt my feelings. Some of you have hurt my feelings. Let's just get serious about it. I, I mean, I realize I've hurt yours more than you've hurt mine. I get that. But you've hurt my feelings. You've disappointed me at times. I felt let down by people in the church at times. I've lived in churches where they've gone through stagnant times and it wasn't fun to be around. It was just like, oh man, we're in the middle of nowhere, the desert. I've been in churches when unholy people have tried to run them. And I've gone through times when it, I've tried to go alone and I've pushed God to the side and thought, I know more about the church than he does. But in spite of all of those things, it's still his church and it's still god's way his choice way of bringing us through this world and growing us and building us into this royal priesthood the people of god that brings christ to this world there is not another way the church is how we're going to bring jesus christ to muncie and to the rest of this world there is nothing else period and we can't do that alone it is an absolute impossibility i got to tell you something. If we're not joined together with other believers, hear me clear on this. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. If you are not joined together with other believers, then you are not part of the church. You can say, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. I, I'm Okay, whatever. You, you can run that risk. This is God's church and expects us to join ourselves together with other people. That's why I love the church. It's messy business. Man, it's messy. But some of you are probably right now getting ticked off at me. And that's okay. It's still the church. I love the church. I can't help it. It's my DNA. It's what I was made for. It's what you were made for. I'm extremely grateful for God and for the church that's nurtured and been my spiritual mother for all these years. About 30 years ago now, I knelt on the stage of the church at uh, Bourbon A, Illinois, in College Church. And Dr. William Greathouse, our general superintendent at the time, who was in charge of our assembly, laid hands on me and 
He ordained me as minister in the church of God by the power of the church of the Nazarene. It was a moment that I have never gotten over to, over to this day. And I often stop, and I did it this morning, I look at the ordination certificate that hangs on the wall in my office, and I'm reminded of the great trust and responsibility that God has given to me. And it overwhelms me every time. I look at that, and my heart just gets heavy. I'm reminded that I am to care for and lead a people that are so precious to God. Listen to me here. I am to care for and to lead a people who are so precious to God that he would bankrupt heaven and send to earth his most precious son, Jesus Christ. And he did that, and then he said, here, you take care of it. It's like your dad buying a $100,000 automobile and saying, drive it to school. You know? I knew my dad, he knew way better than that, but, but my heavenly father said, here, I trust you. And I'm overwhelmed by that. I'm reminded that I'll be held more accountable than others. And I got to be honest, every time I look at that certificate, it frightens me. It does. It frightens me a lot because I think I'm not good enough and I think I'm messing it up a lot. But I love God and I love his church. And I'm so thankful for all that God has done in my life and in the life of this church. And I'm not going to give up and say, oh, well, and I'm not going to be quitting anytime soon because God so loved the world. And this is how he is going to show that love through the church. And I'm going to live my life in praise and I'm going to live my life in thanksgiving to God for the salvation and the hope that he's brought me through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to love those who even have rejected the church. And I'm going to love those who've walked away. And I'm going to love those who don't understand. And I'm just going to be what God wants me to be. And I'm just going to love people. And I'm not going to walk around correcting people and trying to fix people. I'm going to go around loving people and being God, Christ-like to them. And just trying to win them over to see that the church, that Jesus Christ through the church is the answer for this world. I'm going to honor those who were poured out, who have poured out their lives by, uh, for me by loving God and serving the people of God. I, I, every time I do ministry, I don't do it alone. I, I, I see the Henry McNeils. I see the Lynn Morfords. I see the Danny Shogers. I see the Frank DeBurls. They're the ones doing ministry through me. God is continuing their ministry and he's continuing my ministry on through some of you. This morning, let me ask you something as we wrap this part up. Do you really know Jesus? I mean, seriously, I want you to think about that. Have you come to the place where you have a relationship with him, where he's there, where you can speak to him, where you can come to him with all your problems, where you do that regularly? Not, I'm not asking you, have you ever asked him to forgive you of your sin? I mean, that's good, and, and I suppose that's where we start, but, but do you know him? Do you really know him? Have you come to the place where you can say, man, I know Jesus, and man, he is good to me. And I, I'm in love with him. I'm just in love with Jesus. If you don't, today, I want, you to, I want you to fall in love with Jesus. I want you to get to know this Jesus that loves you like that. And I want to ask you, have you come to the place where you know that he's forgiven you of sin? And have you come to the place where you know that he lives in you and fills you with his spirit and that he's moving through you? Or he's more important than your pride or dignity and way more important than looking good. And, and secondly, are you allowing God to use you as part of your church? 
And I'm not saying, are you teaching Sunday school or whatever? I, that's not what, you know, that might be what he wants you to do. But, but I'm asking a question. Are, are you allowing him to use you to be a part of your church, to encourage others, to love others, to care about these beautiful kids who are sitting all through the sanctuary today? I'm glad they're in here today, by the way. I mean, it wouldn't bother me if they're here every Sunday. I, I just love our kids. And they're ornery and they're, they're crazy. And sometimes they need corrected. And I understand that. But there are kids. And, and my question is, are you letting God use you to be a part? I'll tell you one of the things I love. And Tim, Tim didn't testify this part, but, but he goes up to the kids. And have you ever noticed something? Every one of those kids, first of all, they follow Tim around like he's Pied Piper. Yeah, I don't know if he's the candy guy. Like, you know, remember in the church, you always used to have the old guy gave candy to all the kids. You know, it's kind of weird, you know. Tim's not like that. He's not weird. He, but, but every kid comes up to him and he shakes their arms. You know, I, it's the weirdest deal. And I can shake their arms and they look at me like, what's wrong with you? Tim shakes their arms, they're laughing. They think it's the greatest thing ever. You know, and, and you know what he's doing? He's been to church. You get that? He's loving these kids. He's taking time. He's making them human enough to say, you know what? You're a little human being and I'm going to love you. I'm not just going to ignore you. You're not just a kid. You're, you're a person and I love you. That's what he's doing. Are you part of the church? Are you letting God use you to be a part of the church that way? Where people can know that you love them and care for them no matter what? I mean, when, when these little guys get to be my age, are they going to be able to look back and say, oh yeah, Richard and Trent and Jim and Bill and all those others, they were there for me. Or are they going to say, nah, the church just kind of ignored me. Do the kids, the teenagers of this church and your neighborhood matter more than your career and comfort? They're souls. These are people that are going to live forever. Your career is going to end in a few years, like it or not. Money is unimportant compared to the life of one of these kids. Are these kids more important to you than money and a career and a vacation? Are you making a difference wherever God has you? See, I'm thankful for each of you. I really am. I'm thankful for this church with all of its failures and all of its messes. It's the instrument of redemption to this city. We are the beaten, broken, crucified body of Christ. That's the truth. We may not understand it, but we really are. We're the beaten, broken, crucified body of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that when we drink the cup of blessing, we're taking into ourselves the blood, the very life of Jesus. We're going to do that in just a minute. When you drink the juice today, when you take the bread and dip it in the juice, the juice reminds you that you are taking into yourself the blood, the very life of Jesus. And it isn't the same. And, and, and it's the same with the loaf of bread. As you eat that bread and, and as you take that into your body, the very life of Jesus, the very life of Christ, because there's one loaf, one loaf, one, one blood. And our manyness, our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us, rather we become unified in him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are, he raises us up. As we take communion, we are raised up to what he is. And I love the church, because through the church, Christ has raised me to become what he wants me to be. I'm nothing. I'm nothing outside the church, but in the church I belong. To the greatest thing that ever happened on this earth. 
I belong to Jesus. I belong to His church. It matters. Church matters. And I'm thankful for it. And that's my story of thanksgiving. I love Jesus. I just want to testify that today. I love the Lord completely. I love everything that He's doing in my life. I love what I see Him doing in this church. And He's doing some things right now. And I see Him moving. And it's going to be awesome as He continues to move us forward. Don't miss out on it. Don't just be a watcher from the back. Jump in. Get involved. Be the church. Be the church. Reach your neighborhood. Take those cards out. Invite friends. Be the church. Be the church. We're going to come. Karen's going to come and help me again this morning. And, and we're going to stand up here. And, and you guys can uh, come up and, and receive communion. And come up the middle aisle and go around here. I'm going to pray over this. And then we're going to do this together. And, and uh, as you take that bread and the blood this morning and the juice this morning, remind yourself that this together builds us up in Christ. And that those who are many now become one. We are one in Christ. All are welcome. If this is your first time here or if you're a member of some other church or whatever and you're just visiting, you're more than welcome. The Church of Nazarene believes that the table is open for all. So let's uh, come right now after I pray, then let's come up here. Father, right now I praise you and I thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the, the time together as we pray, uh, as we take communion. I pray that you will bless the juice, the bread, and that you will be a part of that, Lord, and that as we take it together today, that you would remind us that we are the church, that we are one in Christ, and that we make a, a difference in this world. Lord, I pray right now if there's any who have things they need to take care of, they need to forgive somebody, they need to ask you to forgive them, Lord, they take care of it today, that they would just say yes to you, Lord, and as they receive this, that they would receive all that you have for them. We love you, Lord. Praise you and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.